Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings. Season five's greetings. Season five. And welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. This is J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. I I love kickstarting these seasons. Oh, Um, boy. I'm head to toe in black because today we are covering the man in black. The man Johnny... Cash. Johnny Cash. Johnny freaking. That's actually his middle, middle name. name. It's F. It stands we, for freaking. We've been to his gravesite. That's right. It says Johnny freaking. There's an R Cash. in its place, but. That's true. Okay, fine. And it actually says John R. Cash. John R. Cash. We're going to talk about that. I don't know if Absolutely. You, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about the name. Okay. Um, man, I mean, you talk about, um, you know, we say it every week. We're going to talk about the greatest songs in modern music history. They really don't come much more iconic than Ring of Fire. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not one of your um, you know, great like lyrical it's not super complex. There's nothing complex about this song, but great it is. If you like trumpets, you love Ring of Fire. It, this song has everything. What's the guy's name on Saturday Night Live? Uh, uh, Stefan. This oh, song has yeah, everything. Good. Mariachi trumpets, Johnny Cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good. Fire, rings of Fire. That's right. Flames. Yeah, this has everything. You go down, 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 and the flames get higher. Uh, By the way, the first line, it says, love is a burning thing. Thing. Which everyone knows except for me. I straight up saying, love is a burning flame. I'm going to go, and Rob's like, nope. If you're gonna miss, I mean, if 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 thing is worth ten points, flames, flames eight, we get you five to five, seven. Okay, cool. I, I mean, mean, I'm in the ballpark. You know, yeah, it's not it's not that big of a miss. I sing this song Makes every sense. year on Thanksgiving. So oh. me and my dad go down to the Waffle House and we play the Ring of Fire on the jukebox. Dad, this is for you. Every so year funny. we've done it for who knows how long. We play this and Waffle Do Wop. So and we pay the extra to get it jumped up in the jukebox where you can wow. do now in these digital ages. You can hop over what's coming pay, next. If you put a dollar in, Boy. you get five songs, or you can jump yours by like no up to the top. Way. You can be like, "Oh, I'm putting all dollar on Ring of Fire." That is classism. So it's wonderful. That is that is. We don't want to hear three a.m. by Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> no, we're gonna jump and put Ring wow, of Fire. Wow, that is class warfare right That's there. That's awesome, man. But let's trumpet it up. Let's kick it off. This is for all you guys. Season five underway. Season five. Let's go. Let's do this thing. <laughs> That's so rock and roll. <laughs> Everything we brought with intensity just had trumpets. Dude, Johnny Cash is so punk. Love. Is a burning thing. Wow, he emphasizes things super. <laughs> and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. That's good. Well, I'm a whistle master. Yeah. Learned this riff actually the first time on the trumpets by my dad playing and singing it at card night. My buddies, he just started playing the trumpet part, and I was like, "What in the world, Dad?" And he's that's, like, "Oh yeah, it's Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash." Funny, that's awesome. 
Man, there we have it. Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash, a.k.a. John R. Cash, a.k.a. J.R. Cash. Birth name of Johnny Cash was actually just initials. Uh, He was named J.R. Cash because his mother wanted to name him. I read two different things. His mother wanted to name him either Rivers or, um, or John. And his dad wanted to name him Ray. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, they had a, they had a thing uh, about they, they couldn't settle on a name. And so they just named him J.R. Um, and so his given name was J.R. Cash. He changed it to John R. Cash when he enlisted in the Air Force because they would not let him use just initials. They said, you got to have a first name, kid. So he went to John R. Cash. And, and I'm sure they said kid. That's right. Kid, Good job yeah. on that. you got to have Absolutely. a first name, kid. Yeah. Um, and the rest is history. Uh, from the 1963, really, it's just a single. It wasn't on an album until uh, the 1963 album Ring of Fire, The Best of Johnny Cash. It became an immediate, uh, as I mean, you put out a song, and then the, that same year you put out a Greatest Hits album, and that song is Makes the name the, of yep, the Greatest Hits yep. album. Uh, you know, then you know it was an instant classic for you, and is indeed the. This is the signature song of. Of Johnny Cash, there's a there's a couple that are like close. They're close. Jackson, Walk the Line, yeah. those compete. Yeah, Walk the Line, and maybe even Folsom Prison Blues. Okay, right. Yep. But this is the enduring classic. Uh, it is uh, number eighty seven on Rolling Stone's greatest songs of all time, uh, sandwiched between number eighty eight, My Girl by The Temptations, yeah, and number eighty six, Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yay! Leapfrogging it by one spot there. It was uh, written by June Carter Cash and Merle Kilgore. A lot of people think, assume that Johnny wrote this, uh, but he probably have you heard the, probably did not, and we'll talk about the that controversy in a yeah. of who wrote this. Stay tuned. Wife number two of the Man in Black, Stay that June Carter Cash. That's right, uh, and Merle Kilgore. We'll talk about him in a minute. Also, it went to number one on the Billboard Hot Country Singles chart. Billboard Hot Country Singles, which is also the name of an app I'm working on. Um, <laughs> number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. That's like the the you know the conglomerate chart. This is what everybody's listening to. This was a top 20 crossover hit, um, which at, at the time for country music was a pretty big deal. I Absolutely. Mean, still, still a big deal. You know what I'm saying? If Carrie Underwood crosses over into the pop chart, it's a big deal. Um, but I think even more so then because you were still, there's like different eras of country music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're currently in the like bro country. Uh, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's like half hip hop, yeah, uh, you know, bro country. Like um, and, uh, but then you had like stadium country and then you had like, um, sort of like outlaw country. You know what I mean? And Johnny Cash was definitely in that era. Absolutely. This, this era is the era prior to that where it was still like country and western mm-hmm. you know what i mean that was sort of the the real um what you would what you would call the music at the time was country and western and so literally like we're still singing about cowboys cowboy stuff and and uh you know the west you know the we're wild singing, west yeah we're singing the rebel johnny yuma and you know stuff like that which johnny cash was don't take your guns of. to town yeah aka all that kind of stuff um so uh, for a for a country and western song to hit the top twenty in the pop mainstream, you know we're still. I mean we are we are firmly in the Beatlemania, right? I mean we're nineteen sixty three. We're That's talking good. about yeah. uh, Revolver era Beatles. You know what I mean? So like uh, up against that kind of stuff, this hit top twenty. Um, number four on CMT's 
100 Greatest Songs of Country Music. Number four. I didn't look That's up the high. top three. Oh, okay. I was going to say. I should, uh, we should do that right now, right? Yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right. Um, number pick, 80. Pick your three out there number in the world. Th- yeah. God, who even knows? I mean, seriously, we're going to have to find that out. Yeah. Um, it does not appear at all on the Billboard all-time 600. Really? But then again, this is a chart that includes Nickelback in the top 50. <laughs> and the Macarena's in there, too. So, right. I, you know, I don't really understand at all. One day we're going to get some answers on this. But yeah, uh, Ring of Fire not in the all-time 600 by Billboard. Don't understand. It was originally released by Anita Carter, uh, sister of June Carter, uh, a.k.a. June Carter Cash, uh, earlier in 1963 with the title, original title, Love's Ring of Fire. Um, and let me tell you, we're going to listen to it. But uh, a little different cadence, no trumpets. Yeah, little, yeah, little different. And for me, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. I don't want you to freak out like I did. The first chorus uh, may make you feel like you're in the Willy Wonka freak out tunnel. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That that weird yeah. tunnel. Um, that's that's what that's where I found With myself. The everlasting gobstopper guy face bump face appearing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this shook. is just gonna that's a slugworth slugworth yeah is gonna... um this that's what happened to me me personally <laughs> so like if you're driving just be careful as just all listen to the way she sings desire okay. and fire and you'll be like what <laughs> just for me it was it was the chorus okay it just really got it. here we go here's anita carter's version of love's ring of fire where's george clooney like a, a brother and little John walking through the forest. A word everywhere. She adds an into, she adds a downs, she adds a burns. Can I'm not gonna lie. I like the little flip up at the end with an extra reverb tail on it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of dig that. It kind of gives me like (laughs) Ghost Riders in the Sky vibes. But the rest of that. I am so glad that Johnny cut this song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, when she when she hit that first chorus and started singing earlier than my brain said she was supposed to, uh-huh. I just went, "Where am I?" Yeah. I felt like you ever been in one of those like weird tunnels where uh, you're on a you're on a uh, you're on like a walking bridge, but the room is moving around you. <laughs> That's what I felt like. It was like. I, where is North yeah. right now? You know what I'm saying? I have no idea what, what up is at this moment. I don't know if she adds syllables or if he takes away syllables. Like desire, she makes sound like more syllables than it should be. And yeah. he just goes desire. Right. Far. <laughs> like, so I don't know if he just cuts them off or she extends them. Anyway, they're completely different. I feel like that's probably his country coming through. That's right. Cutting them off, yeah. The uh, Got to talk about the controversy of the songwriting. So yeah. um, his first wife... Uh, Cash's wife, Vivian Vivian. Le- Vivian, Vivian, Vivian Liberto, said there's no way June Carter Cash wrote this song, and that or that uh, Johnny wrote it when he was drunk one night, and said Johnny just gave her co-writing credit because she needed the money. Right. Um, he, she felt sorry. For felt her, sorry for. Her. I have a. I 
debunk that because if the original recording is done by your sister, I, I think that gives a little credence to the fact that June wrote a little bit of it. Um, yeah. That's my take on it. I yeah. don't know how you feel on that. Well, the, pre- the prevailing story is that June, uh, who was then touring with Johnny Cash as a member of the famous Carter family, sure. um, she wrote the song with Merle Kilgore after being inspired by a line from a book of poems that b- uh, belonged to her uncle. She was looking through. And I think some versions I've read said that there was a, a line about um, love being a like a ring of fire or something that was like underlined or dog-eared or something. Um and then, of course, further speculation is that the Ring of Fire metaphor itself was about her having these feelings for Johnny, um, who was kind of a hot mess of drugs and booze at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were both married, yeah. right, to other people. Um, and that's sort of the accepted um, origin story of the song. But you're right. The other version of the song claims that Johnny wrote it wrote with Merle Kilgore, but gave his credit to June um, because... And if you want a lot of the story, you can watch Walk the Line with Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix. I think they do a justice to the to the storyline on yeah, that. Yeah. Um, the so the Johnny Cash's first wife Vivian mm-hmm. um, made this claim in 2007 in her autobiography. So which seems a little um, outdated. You know. Like, yeah. What, it's, what was it's like she you know constantly seems to paint a negative picture of June there, and that maybe the seeds were planted here as a precursor to their in, uh, eventual relationship um she goes on further to say that johnny wrote this song high on pills and alcohol about a particular bit of female anatomy hello uh, okay. um but her uh account is not widely corroborated and she may reasonably have a motive to discredit june's authorship given the rest of their story sure. together you know what i mean Back so um you can choose to believe whichever version that you want but the the more plausible um, version of, of the origin seems to be that June wrote it. Well, there there is no debate how Johnny Cash got the song. He right. gave uh, the sister, he gave Anita five months to make it a hit. Yeah. He's like, you got five months to make it a hit. She didn't. So he took it and had this dream where he heard Mexican trumpets playing. Yeah. Added it. Boom. Yeah. Hit. So. What other songs? <laughs> Could you just, add a trumpet? Yeah. What other songs need some mariachi trumpets oh, on, you know what I mean, to, to make them a hit? So you have to think of something that's not a hit, right? Yeah, or something that it, it, it could be a, you know a, a song that people know, but like it could just be improved with a mariachi <laughs> band. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe um, I don't know, maybe like all I can think of is stuff that already has it. I'm thinking like uh, uh, <laughs> "Smooth" by Santana, anything by Santana, Macarena. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? What What's needs something odd that if you add it to? Yeah. What's, how about You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from Tarzan? You'll be in my heart. <laughs> I was thinking of the Taylor Dane song, Love Will Bring You Back. Love, Love Will Bring You Back. <laughs> Complete different uh, oh, take man. on that. So. Hey, let us let us know on Twitter. Send us a song. At, we just did this off the cuff. Yeah. There's a better one out there. Yeah. Let us know what it is. Hit us up on, on, on Twitter at Great Song Pod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Great Song Pod. And uh, let us know what song. What random song that in no way would ever have mariachi trumpets. Yeah. You could put mariachi trumpets Hello, in. Hello, darkness, my old friend. There, there it is. That's, that's a good talk one. To you again. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, that's okay. a good one. Merle yeah. Kilgore. He, uh, he wanted this song to be used in an ad for Preparation H for hemorrhoids, that? but yeah. uh, June Carner Cash family denied it. That's the fact that. that she has the power to deny that. 
Makes me think she had some writing credit, too. That's true. I think that was may have been after they both passed, but it was the okay. Carter family, Carter family. Yeah, okay. I believe, that, that that put the kibosh on that. Okay. Uh, is it kibosh or kibosh? I don't know. I've heard people say it's it It's a good ways. word. I think most people say it kibosh, but I don't know. Um, Merle, mainly known for Hank Williams Jr. manager. Yeah. That was his big thing. He, he was, a, if, I, if I read correctly... He's been a forever friend of the Williams family mm-hmm. that he that he met um, Hank Williams Sr. when he was very young. And he sort of uh, like basically sort of road helped him at some point at something and they sparked a friendship. And and uh, so, yeah, even at the time of his death, he was um, he was Hank Williams Jr.'s manager. And it's kind of a big shot in the music industry. We'll 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 get into him just a little bit more. Um, but uh yeah, let's talk about the song song structure and a couple of couple of interesting. Uh, it's not necessarily theory stuff, but just kind of rhythmic things I want to talk about. Um, I think it's interesting that the chorus repeats twice before you get to the second verse. So you get the intro hook, um, the verse with thing, and then you get the verse. Love is a burning thing, and then you get the first chorus. I fell into a burning ring of fire. And then it goes back to the hook. And after the instrumental section, comes back into the chorus again. And Hmm. then verse two. Wow. So so it goes intro, verse, chorus, intro, chorus two, verse two, chorus three, and then chorus out. How, uh, How long is the song? Not very. It's probably, let's look and see. I wonder if they did the double chorus there to give it a little bit more length, like to, to make the song just... A little bit more. That is entirely possible. It seems to be, uh, yeah, it's two minutes and 36 oh, seconds. Oh, man, yeah. So it would have been... Just barely past Delamitri's role to me. Yeah, which, so. you know, was, uh, I mean, common enough at the time. Two-minute songs weren't, yep. uh, that was fine. But, uh, yeah, maybe it was, you know, um, to give it some some more length. It, I, I'm not sure it would have hurt anything to just go back into the verse there. But um, I do want to note, note some rhythm stuff. Let's Let's play the... Let's play the intro first. So this intro is in 3-4 and 4-4 alternating time. So that means there's basically, in layman's terms, there's three beats to a measure and then four beats to a measure. Um, And so you're getting... One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And so like, if you were actually writing that on a piece of music, you'd be tempted to just write... Seven four, mm-hmm. right? You'd say this is in seven four, but it really comes off as two complete measures. And so I've, I've seen sheets of music where you'd actually write. So the time signature in the corner, what does it say? It would say three, three four, 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 four. Okay, yeah, that's huh. it. And then there would be little little time change indicators in the mm-hmm. in the sheet music. But uh, yeah, it would say three four four four. That's cool to show that this is a this is a pattern, right? That's the first one of these we've done. Yeah, we haven't or talked about, about any, anything like that before. So take a listen here at the beginning. One, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four. Love. Boom. Same thing here. One, two, three, one, two, three, four. And it makes. So the verse is actually a fiery. Four, four, three, four, four, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, one, two, three. One, I fell two, into a three, ring of fire. One, two, three, four. It's kind of all over the place. Man. So, um, and then there's a spot in the 
Second verse. And Johnny's just up there chunking on his guitar. Yeah, he's his just little going. palm mute stuff. That's do. right. Yeah, just, fa- just not even really playing a chord most of the time. Um, and then in the second verse, there's a line that goes either four four three four five four, or just remains in four four, depending on how you want to hear the singing. The okay. Cadence. Okay. So I'm gonna say it's it's four four three four five four. Because of the way everything lands. Three and five equal eight for those of y'all that are counting. That's correct. Which is why you could also just say it's in four, four, four. and and has some very strange. Just when he comes in. Phraseology, yeah. Yeah. Um, Take a listen. When hearts like ours meet. I fell for you like a child. Four, one, two, three. Shoot. I blew it. I can't even make myself do it. There's an extra beat before the trumpets come in. Are you counting it in four or in four, three, five? When hearts like ours meet. I fell for you like a child. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. It's weird. It's just an extra beat, and you get that a lot in in uh, especially Johnny Cash's earlier stuff, where it was like, I feel like it's partially due to the recording method, um, where it's just like everybody's in a room cutting everything all at once, and they just do you know several takes of the same track and keep the best one, and um, and lots of his like boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom kind of stuff is like that, Mm -hmm. um, where there'll be an extra uh, beat here or there for whatever reason. I feel like it's just him taking his time or, or something like that. In, in that particular case, I don't know, but like a stuff like, uh, like a boy named Sue. Um, and even, uh, I think in Folsom prison blues, there's a couple sp- just spots where he'll take an extra beat somewhere. It feels like for no reason. And you can even hear it because in, in all this old music, the bass lines are always boom, 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 right? It's going one, five, mm-hmm. one, five. And you'll hear the bass player get upside down mm-hmm. and have to correct themselves to catch where they should where be. Where it should be the first, the root of it going right. one, five. It's going five, one, yes. and he's backwards. And it's upside down. So they have to, then they have to flip the note that they're playing or mm-hmm. hang on to a note, an extra beat, um, because he has either come in a beat early or a beat behind, whether on purpose or not. You know what I mean? But you obviously you follow you follow Johnny. Absolutely. So, it's his show. Yeah. So when he sings the next line, you play the next line mm-hmm. regardless of where he starts. Yep. And it, and it just wasn't a thing where they were going back in and, and fixing stuff and like that. And it's not yet. like you can follow his hands because he's not right. the most telegraphic of guitar players. Yeah. Like yeah, he, he can't cue you. Simple. You just got to hear him. Right. Hear him yeah. sing it. And, and, and he like, yeah, exactly. He's just like, I'm going to stand here and sing the song and this band is going to play it. Yep. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's even in the... Even in the early era, like blues, uh, you get a lot of stuff like that where it's just like the guys would play their guitar and it, it would just be like a dude and his guitar and he's going, and when he's ready to sing the line, he'll yeah, sing it. Exactly. And it's, it's not as neat and clean as it has become now. You know what I mean? Uh, if you listen to, especially like Robert Johnson mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, uh, Blind Lemon, um, what's his name? Um, I can't think of his last name. Um, but, uh, Anyway, they, they, there's a lot more of that kind of stuff. It's like an extra beat here or there, or or something starts early, um, and it's just it, it just had not become as formalized as it is now. And you just kind of sang when you were ready. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like this is a little bit of a holdover from that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, or you know, 
Maybe Johnny just didn't care. Maybe he was like, I'll sing when I'm ready. Or maybe he knows the count in his head. It's true. It's like, hey, this is a measure of three. This is a measure of five. That's right. I know it. Yeah. Learn it. That's right. And like, this is how we're going to do it. Maybe, yeah, this is, this is proto-prog rock. This is Neil Peart yeah. on vocals. That's right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting, rhythmic, rhythmic stuff there. I think it's a good segue into Meet the Band, because I want to talk about Boom Chicka Boom and that kind of stuff here let's with the guitar it. player. Go so, for it. Here we go. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band. It's kind of tough because they list like six guitar players, multiple bass players on the vinyl, on the web, online. So I'm going to pick the ones that I, I am fairly confident actually played on the track. So verification will be um, up for dispute. Those of you Hendersonvillians that are listening are like, no way that he played that. I'm, I feel pretty confident on this, but here we're jumping in. On bass of the Tennessee 2, uh, Marshall Garnett Grant, we'll talk about the Tennessee 2 here in a minute, uh, because he did most of the cash work in that time period, and the only other bass player credited was Buddy Clark, and uh, Live Cash plays with the Tennessee 2, and that is Marshall Garnett Grant um, with him. Big Buddies with Luther Perkins, who we'll talk uh, below about. Um, Tennessee 2, which actually became the Tennessee 3. Actually, he, Perkins, and Cash would just sit around and play three rhythm guitars. Like, they would just sit around, uh, the three of them playing the rhythm guitars and write songs. Um, same, I mean, when they sit around and play, I've watched videos. Like, they're playing the same chords, the same parts, and everything. It's not like one's playing a different right. version of the chord. Like, everybody's playing an open G chord. Yeah. Everybody's playing the same version of the C. Different era. Right. Yeah, it's like you don't have to have a different voicing. Like we're gonna all three play exactly the same thing. Right. So at the same time. Now, if you've got multiple guitar players in a in a in a band context, one guy's playing. If the, you're in E, somebody's gonna capo it on the second fret and play in D. Yeah. One guy's gonna play open in E, uh, and then and one, one guy's, guy's gonna, gonna play just like lead lines yeah, up the neck. Exactly. Or that kind of thing. High yeah. quarter voice, high chord voicing stuff like that. Yeah. Not these guys. They're like, no, it's this G chord. Yeah. <laughs> like it's open G. Um. So then Grant picked up not literally but he picked up like took up upright bass so he uh played an epiphone upright bass and then he added uh fender and epiphone electric basses to his uh bag of talents and uh actually he and johnny ended up uh in court on embezzlement charges but they worked it out and in 99 he actually played bass with cash for the last time and he actually died in 2011 get this at a festival to restore the childhood home of Johnny Cash. He died really? at the festival playing for this to to raise money to restore the home of wow. Cash. Um, he's played by Larry Bagby in Walk the Line, and y'all will know Larry Bagby from such great films as Hocus Pocus and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. Look that guy up, uh, Larry Bagby. So Marshall Garnett Grant on bass. Um, on guitar, I'm fairly confident on this. I know it lists six guitar players, but it's got to be Luther Perkins. Um, he's the other part of the Tennessee, too. Um, and we know Cash did play some rhythm guitar on here, um, but he's most likely, Perkins is most likely the other guy. Although Jack Clement, Johnny Western, Roy Nichols, Billy Strange, and Norman Blake are all credited on here for playing um Pretty confident it was Luther Perkins on this. I kind of wish it was Norman Blake, as he did stuff with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Joan Baez, and he uh, helped... You Joe Biden? Joan Baez. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joe right. Biden, yeah. No, he helped uh, co-write the play The Night They Drove All Dixie Down, and Oh Brother, Where Art There, but he's maybe a little bit more interesting character, but I like Perkins. Um, taught himself to play the guitar. Great story. He had a Fender Esquire guitar 
where the volume and uh, tone knobs didn't work, so he'd have to mute the bottom three strings with his palm just because of all the noise and everything. So he basically muted the E, A, and D string, and thus led to his boom-chicka-boom sound. So that really? sound you get is because the guitar he had, the tone knobs and everything were all messed up, so he had to just mute that on with his palm mute, and that's why he's, if you'll notice, wow. he plays the top three strings a lot. And that's the style that actually helped shape Johnny Cash's sound. Yeah. So, and it's, he's responsible for that. Best friend huh. with Chris Christopherson, who I think I saw at the Red Rooster restaurant in Hendersonville. If that's you, please come up and say, hey, I'm going <laughs> to, I am confident, I'm a, I'm pretty confident it's you. Next time I'm going to raise up the courage to come up and say, are you Chris Christopherson? If you're not, play along. Right. Um, yeah. Also, just, just sign something. Thanks, thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you spell it with a C, we'll know. Exactly. Right? We'll know it wasn't that's you. That's right, that's right. Christ, Christ Offerson. <laughs> um, he is also buried in the Hendersonville Memorial Park Memory Gardens, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. He's played by Dan John Miller in Walk the Line, who's the producer of The White Stripes. So Really? Nice little, that's nice interesting. Nice little tie-in there. Um, on drums, W.S. Holland... Um, I'm putting him over the other five drummers that are listed on here because wow. he was a member of the Tennessee Two, which became the Tennessee Three, with Luther Perkins and Marshall Garnett Grant. I wish it was Buddy Harmon as he played on all kinds of stuff. He played on Crazy, Your Cheating Heart, Blue Moon of Kentucky. Like, so I wish it was him, but I'm pretty confident it's W.S. Holland. Um, and I found a site on on uh, Buddy Harmon that listed all those songs that he played, and Ring of Fire is not listed on there. And I'm pretty sure if he played on Ring of Fire, he would have listed it in that. Gotcha. Um, W.S. Holland was also the first drummer on the Grand Old Opry stage. Nice. Um, he was also Carl Excuse Perkins. Excuse me, that's Grand Ole No Opry. D. No O-L-E. D. It's O-L-E. Um, Grand Ole Opry, right. if it had the accent, right? <laughs> he was also Carl Perkins' drummer, uh, house band on Johnny Cash Show. Um, he was the drummer on the Johnny Cash Show. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to put this out there. I, I know we're not this kind of popular yet, um, but I want a variety show. Yeah, you there know? you go. Come on our show. Yeah. Come dancing monkeys and freaking we got, songs. We got friends. We got jugglers. We got magicians. Yeah. We got comedians. Hey, we've taken magicians gigs at shows before. Yeah. They were like, oh, the magician can't make it. Let's enlist let's, these guys. Yeah, let's call these guys. Let's. I want Let's. I want a variety show. I, let's I'm in. bring that back. I'm in. Let's do it. We can We can bring it back. And uh, W.S. Holland also played on Elvis's Blue Suede Shoes. We're do, go. We got to do an Elvis song. Okay, person. speaking of Elvis, Blue Suede Shoes. Is do you know if Luther Perkins is related to Carl Perkins? Uh, that would Elvis's? make Carl Perkins is a drummer. No, no, no. Carl Perkins right. is Elvis' oh, guitar player. Yeah, that's right. Guitar player. Shoes. I'm saying W.S. Holland was Carl Perkins' drummer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry, that came out wrong. I got you. So I just wonder I if, if Luther, both guitar players, both, both same era. It's possible. We should we should look that up. Do you ever eaten at a Perkins restaurant? I have. I hate them. Man, I liked them. Yeah? The old green sign. Uh, rivalry episode. Oh, that's it. We're going to talk about Perkins. <laughs> We're going to talk about Perkins. <laughs> Finally found something to argue I'm taking, I'm taking Piccadilly. That's a, Give me oh, Piccadilly. Man. Oh, that's pretty good. We're talking too. about restaurants that old people love. That are no longer around. Yeah. You can't find them. That's funny. Um, on piano, uh Bill Purcell, this guy's apparently still on staff at Belmont, which is just down the street, and I tried way too long to look him up with no contact. I called all over the place trying to find him. I would have loved to talk to Bill Purcell, uh, mainly just to confirm who played on here, but no juice. Um, He did stuff with Willie Nelson, J.J. Kale, Joan Baez, not to be confused with Joe Joe Biden, Biden. Dan Fogelberg. Um, He has a book, Crooked River City, about life in Nashville. Um, but that's good. Yeah, and I, I I read through a lot of that book. I'm su- I'm surprised at, now. The more that I think about it, maybe he didn't play on this because he talks a lot about Patsy Cline, and I, so I don't know. I figured he would have talked a lot more about Johnny Cash if he 
did a lot of stuff with him, but who knows? Um, trumpets. I'm 100% sure on this. Okay. I got the trumpets. All right. I know it's Bill McElhane, maybe pronounced McElhaney, and Carl Garvin. I'm 100% sure on that. So that's I can I can take that to the bank. That's Bill it. played with Ray Charles, Rory Orbison, and Floyd Kramer. Um, so there you go. So there's some. Uh, we can go ahead and talk a little bit about Johnny if you want. Uh, yeah, if you want to save some of that. Let's let's talk. Why don't we talk about uh, the writers first and then Do get, it. hit Johnny last? Go for it. Uh, so let's talk a bit first about June Carter Cash. Uh, she is a five-time Grammy-winning songwriter and performer. She won in 1968 for Best Country and Western Performance Duet, Trio, or Group, and that would be the duet Jackson, Mm -hmm. as aforementioned, with Johnny Cash. Um, She won in 1971 for If I Were a Carpenter, also a duet with Johnny. Should we play a little of Jackson? Yeah, heck yeah. Let's play a little of Jackson, just for an excuse to play this song. Give the listeners a little musical break. I am going to Jackson. We got married in a fever Hotter than a pepper sprout We've been talking about Jackson Ever since the fire went out I'm going to Jackson I'm gonna mess around Yeah, I'm going to Jackson Look out, Jackson Town And there we go there she is. There she is, Go ahead and wreck your hell. Go play your hand, you big dog. Man, make a big fool of yourself. All right. And we'll fade it out before we get to the Japanese slur. <laughs> All right. Good save on that okay. one. Hey. Fluent and banjo and the auto harp. Yeah. yeah. Fluent. Fluent. I like that word. I don't know. Proficient. That's right. Proficient. Let's go fluent. Let's go fluent. Banjo is its own language. It is. Let's not kid ourselves. Do you speak banjo? I mean, not very well. Mm. I speak broken banjo, you know? (laughs) Um, She also won a Grammy in 2000 for the Best Traditional Folk Album for her album Press On, which came out in 1999. Uh, And then she won two posthumous Grammys in 2004. Uh, She passed away in 2003. She won Grammys in 2004 for Best Traditional folk album for the album Wildwood Flower. And for best, get this, for best female country vocal performance for the single Keep on the Sunny Side from the album Wildwood Flower. Hmm. So in 2004, June Carter Cash won best female country vocal performance. She beat out Patti Loveless, Martina McBride, Dolly Parton, and Shania Twain. Man. Would you like to hear the song... That Play she it. won for. Play it. Let's hear Let's this hear magnificent. A bit of, this is if you've ever seen "Oh Brother Where Art Thou." This is the song that they sing. This is "Keep on the Sunny Side" uh, in there, and uh, I'm going to play a little bit of it for you, and you tell me what you think. Sounds like Wildwood Flower. <laughs> the dark and troubled side of life There's a bright and a sunny side too But if you meet with the darkness and strife The sunny side we all so may view Okay, hit the chorus, June Keep on the sunny side Always on the sunny side Keep on the sunny side of life 
All right, so there are a lot of things that you could call that vocal performance. (laughs) There are a lot of words that you could use to describe it. You could call it authentic. You could call it folksy. You could call it rootsy. Um, Why didn't she take the cotton balls out of her mouth in the back of her throat? You could even even call it beautiful. I don't think (laughs) you can call it best. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could say... It's, I like the rootsy thing. I think that's good. It's, it's, it's the most um, authentic. Raw? Yeah. You could use raw? You could use raw. You could, uh, let's just say, why Why not in 2004 just go, we're sad that you passed. Yeah. We want to honor you. Yeah. You get a ribbon for most. Uh, yeah. Most legacy, beloved. Yes. Legacy award. Yeah. Goes to this. I, 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 I think. No disrespect, uh, right? June Carter Cash is a legend, and she deserves all the praise. Absolutely. However. Do you think, what do you think Martina McBride and Shania are saying about this, that? Because that's their prom. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's their peak. They only get so many chances yeah. to win. I honestly think that, that or, was that, this one's for the girls. It was might that be. 2004, 2003? It might be. I mean, come on, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah. I feel like Independence Day was also wrote about that time, too. Yeah. Independence so, Day. Either way. Uh, so, anyway, I'm just saying, all all love and due respect to June yeah. Carter Cash, I don't think that particular Grammy mm-hmm. was deserved. I'm already getting pelted with rocks. Sure. I can feel it. We have a lot of Cash fans that are listening to this episode. Yeah. And we're, yeah, I'd never heard that rendition or knew that fact. I've heard the song. Sure. Um, but never, never put that together. Yeah. But uh, you it, be the judge. Don't have to be critical. Just let us know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Uh, maybe, it's, it's, or, or I mean, it's beautiful in its own way. You know what I'm saying? I just everything I, is beautiful. I think maybe I think maybe that categorization was a swing and a miss. Okay. I, I I get they wanted to honor her. Everybody was sad. Johnny and June had both died similar you know time. Saying? Like yeah, right they died within months of each other. Together, but whatever. Okay. They, now I do think she did get inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame she in did. 2009. Yeah, deserving. Yeah. There we go. Well yeah. done. And uh, she is ranked number 31 in CMT's. 40 Greatest Women in Country Music. Impact, absolutely. Sure, I got no problem with that. Uh, It's only that one particular Grammy. I don't even mind. The best traditional folk album for that year, for that same album, great. Go for it. Run with that. That's perfect. Yep. Um, I just don't don't get the one. I need somebody to explain the the one Grammy to me. Um, She was married uh, three times. She had one child from each marriage, all three of whom continued the family tradition of performing country music. Uh, she, of course, she was a, a member of a, a famous traveling family. The Carter family was already a big deal before she was June Carter Cash. Uh-huh. She was a big deal, yeah. right? She, as June Carter, um, that was a that was a big deal on its own. So, like, totally independently of Johnny, and they kept going like yeah. ways after. Sure, um, but uh, so her her. Son that you may know is John Carter Cash. Uh, that's that's her son who he produced uh, her. I believe he produced her last album. Is that correct? Or did he produce the last? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm off of it. Um, but you may know. Uh, she also had a daughter named Rosie Nix. Um, and a name that I had forgotten, Carlene Smith. But you may remember her uh, if you're a fan of 90s country music. Uh, under her stage name, Carlene Carter. She smartly re-took the Carter name, even though, you know, by birth she was not a Carter. Um, 
And uh, she she did this song. You better believe I'm taking my family name Hendrix when I go back out on the road. <laughs> right, J.P. <laughs> Hendrix. Heck yeah, man. Um, so Carlene Carter, she had this song from the 90s that was a big hit called I Fell in Love. Do you remember this song? I don't know. You will when I play it. Maybe. And, and we're going to listen to this freaking guitar solo that I was reminded okay. of that I was too young to appreciate when this song came out. Okay. I believe it is by Albert Lee, who okay, is just wow. a monster. Yeah, there you right? go. He was definitely in the video okay. um, for this song. But I, so and he doesn't I, seem like the kind that would just do video. Right, like yeah. He wouldn't so I believe credit he was in, in okay. the band for this. So yeah, this is a little bit of I Fell in Love by Carlene Carter. Okay. I bet you'll remember this chorus. Sounded like mama. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can hear it. Oh, yeah. Here comes. I love these vocals. I've uh, never heard this. Really? That's new to me. I love this song. That's a that's a Johnny Cash okay, ending yeah, line. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. I'm going to skip ahead to the guitar solo, okay? Let me fade it out for cleanliness. It's a ring of fire way to do it. You start the chorus with the title, and you end the chorus with the title. True, true, true. All right, let's let's hear a little bit of this absolutely nasty. As country guitar solos go, they don't get they don't get better than this. Dude, telly. Come on now. Actually, it's a. It's no, a he, there's no way. That's a telly. It's he plays. Be. He plays a custom music man. Okay. Now, but I think in the. I think in the. Uh, I don't know. I had, I'd have to go back and look in the video and see if. I think by that time he was already using a custom Ernie Ball music man. Really? Yeah. I, that, that would have never. That is. That. that is essentially strap shaped okay. uh, with just a couple shaved edges. Uh-huh. Yeah. Albert Lee. He's a monster, dude. Yeah. He's oh my goodness, using all these double stops. And that was really only the back half of the solo that I just good, played. Good man. That's tasty. Uh, so good. So good. Uh. A little bit more on June. She grew up traveling with the famed Carter family uh, and eventually moved to Nashville with them. Uh, Interesting side note, uh, the Carter family met Chet Atkins, world famous, uh, the most famous, I'm going to say most famous, finger style guitar player of all time, right? I mean, that's unquestioned. Great statue of him downtown Nashville. If you want to come take a picture with the Chet Atkins statue, I highly recommend it. Plays, uh, if you've ever seen Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews, uh, usually, I don't know if he still does, but for a long time, played a Chet Atkins model. It was the it was the it was an acoustic guitar, but it had no hole on it. Uh, if you remember that early era, Dave, uh, I almost said Dave Barnes. I wonder why uh, Dave Matthews. Um, he uh, he used that acoustic guitar. That was a Chet Atkins model. Anyway, Chet Atkins, it, monster guitar player, uh, it came from this era. Um, so the Carter family met Chet Atkins while they were working from the Knoxville area. And then they started getting calls from the Grand Ole Opry in, in Nashville, asking them to come perform. But with one caveat, they did not want them to bring along Chet Atkins. What? It's because he was black. 
Just kidding. Chad Atkins yeah, was not black. Um, why? Because studio musicians in Nashville had heard about how awesome Chad Atkins was. Chad Atkins was, and they were afraid if he came to town that he was going to take all their all first their call gigs. Oh man, that's yeah. crazy. So uh, eventually, the Opry gave in, said they could bring Chad Atkins along, and uh, the and Carters, he took all their gigs. Yeah, he took. <laughs> he did. Sure enough, uh, and the Carters moved to Nashville with with Chet in tow. So uh, that's yeah, awesome. How about that? That's cool. I didn't know that story. I yeah. Uh, she acted and danced as well um, as late as 1998 in the Robert Duvall movie, The Apostle. You remember that movie? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and she, she and Johnny both were on uh, like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman in the 90s <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, they, I got that they on played here. a couple. Um, I looked up just some more of her songs because I didn't know a ton of her like solo stuff, you know what I mean? And I just found some amusing song titles, and I'm just going to read a few of them, okay? Um, some of her more amusing uh, song titles included... Root Hog or Die, that's R-O-O-T, Hog, like, I don't know if that's an Arkansas Razorbacks thing, <laughs> that's what it sounds like, Root Hog or Die, yeah. um, Mommy's Real Peculiar, uh, <laughs> You Flopped When You Got Me Home, uh, Overalls and Dungarees, and my favorite, No Swaller in Place, um, which apparently was a hit, I, I, I've never heard it, and it just sounds, I, I, honestly, I don't think I want to know what it's about, <laughs> I don't think I want to hear that song ever. <laughs> No swallow in place. Um, what else? She was involved heavily in philanthropy and charity, uh, particularly to a, a, an organization called SOS Children's Villages in Jamaica. Um, and uh, according to the director of that organization, she, she like, he, he says it very literally that she made Jamaica a second home and that was, was there so often that she, it was literally like a, a, a second home to her. Uh, she and Johnny both uh, heavily involved in that. So, me and Rob are all about some philanthropy. We're, yeah. We love the giving back for free. Yeah. Kind of like we do this podcast for free. That's this right. is us giving back. This That's is right. our philanthropiness. That's philanthropy. Oh, careful. That's not a word. That's not a word. Oh, man. Oh, that just, that just about got PG 13. <laughs> Rob's struggling over there. Oh, I wish I could see his face. Oh, Season five. That's it. That's we're, the one we're clip. We're tapped. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Okay. Yeah. Covers. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You still got stuff. No, we still got to talk about <laughs> no, two gotta, more people. That's right. We got to talk about the writers still. Mer- oh man. Merle and Johnny. Talk about Merle. I'll talk a little what are you bit of, about Merle. I, I don't have enough on Merle Ooh. to to stretch out through. Okay. I talked about he's also in the Hendersonville Memory Gardens. Um, mainly, we talked about him being Hank Williams Jr. guys, Hank Williams Jr.'s guy. What do you got on Merle? You got? Uh, a lot? I, I don't have much on Merle. Yeah, you know, he was. Um, <laughs> 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 I can't. Oh, I'm leaving all this in. This is all staying in the episode. <laughs> oh gosh, 
Uh, he was he Merle <clears throat> Merle Kilgore was the best man at Johnny and June's wedding. Okay. Uh, he passed away in 2005. He wrote or co-wrote hits for Claude King, Johnny Horton, and Tommy Rowe. It was just an earlier era of music. I, I don't, don't know any really of those three. Any. I know the name Johnny Horton. Couldn't tell you anything. Uh, he Didn't served, he hear a who? I think so. I think he did, yeah. Yeah, he did. Johnny Horton hears a who. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> served on the CMA Board of Directors. He received the Legendary Songwriters Award from the North American Country Music Association in 1998, and he is a member of the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, so that's a little bit about Merle Kilgore. He is actually buried next to Johnny and June. Like, uh, he was, you know, apparently that, that close that he's literally buried next to him with some big... Um, Cowboy boots, yeah, boots for, around for the like side, flower holders. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, big, big cowboy boots. Yeah, the, like, the boots are taller than the, the tombstone. The headstone, the headstone yeah. yeah the, like if you put on the boots, you'd have to be at least seven five. Oh, bigger than like I'm eight, thinking ten, like, ten, twelve feet. Yeah, tall they come to up to boots. about your knee ish. Yeah, something like that. They're yeah. But, um, okay, let's let's move on to Johnny Cash. Let's do it. Uh, the Man in Black himself, born as we said, J.R. Cash, changed his name uh, to John when he went into the Air Force. Used to sing in church as a high tenor. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, high changed tenor. His, like high when he was tenor. Eight? I guess. Yeah, and then changed. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is a member of the Songwriters <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's a member of the Songwriters <laughs> Hall of Fame. Country Music Hall of Fame. There's just so many jokes that I want to make, but can't in good taste yeah, make. Good, We're running a family show here. Keep going. And, oh, man. So just everybody, if you need to take a second and pause and just get all the jokes out yeah. and then come back. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I'll all right. You. you guys say them. We can't say That's them. That's right. You guys can live your own lives, but we can't. We can't live your own lives. Um, sorry. Did, Johnny. Did die four months after June. That's right. Uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, they say this, that like just people who are forever deeply in love, when one goes, the other can't bear to stick around. And it, and, and, and it happens a lot. You know what I mean? When people get over the age. Although, listen, he was not that old. He was 71 when he died. Yeah. That's- you know who's 71 right now? No, don't. I'll be wanting them to or watching for them to. Sammy Hagar. Shut up. Oh, dude. No way. Yeah. You know what I'm I didn't saying? realize he was that old whenever that I guess he has been old for a while. He's older than like the rest of the Van Halen guys, right? Yeah. He was in Montrose and stuff. You Absolutely. know, he's already so like 71, so, Sammy Hager. I, like I, I'm pretty sure he might be 70, but I think he's actually Damn. literally 71. Oh, either way, right? Still it's, out there doing his thing, it's though. Not you that, keep oh, going. Right. Keep exactly. Going, he's still out there kicking. But but you know, uh back in the like depression era, which Johnny grew up in. Mm-hmm. It was a different life was harder, yeah, and people lived shorter, and he and he lived a difficult, yeah. He was, you know what I mean. He I had don't a hard, hard, but like he was like, yeah, yeah hard life. I mean, he was hard on himself, absolutely. In addition to having had a hard life, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, it's just people got older faster back in the day. Yeah, life on the road then is more taxing than life on the road now. Sure. Not just from a substance standpoint, but from travel, yeah. from like. Right, uh, arrangements yeah. like yes, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was just harder to take. It's easier to take care of yourself now mm-hmm. than it was then. Um, no so, essential oils. It's just by the time <laughs> he got to the end, he seemed very old. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. his his last few recordings and stuff. I mean, you could just hear it in his voice. And, yeah, and the way he looked, he just looked very old. Uh, but he died at 71. That's I mean, not that's not really old at all. We, we touched a little bit on the Folsom Prison concert. Merle Haggard was actually an inmate in San Quentin 
not in uh, Folsom. In Folsom. He gets credited a lot to be in Folsom, but he was there. Uh, and Johnny never actually – Johnny was arrested, I think it said, seven times and went to jail several times but never stayed more than a night. He was never, like, yeah. imprisoned. You yeah. know what I mean? He has this kind of reputation, and he was definitely – a rebel and mm-hmm. and uh, you know kind of inspired what became like the punk attitude. You yeah. know what I'm saying? A lot of that came from Johnny Cash. And there's some yeah, very the classic famous, picture of him flipping yeah, off the camera, flipping off the camera, and, and you know, and he he was uh, booted from the Grand Ole Opry at one point because he uh, took a mic stand and 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 I think this may be uh, um, in the movie too. I think there's a part in the movie that that shows this where he he, he took some, takes a took a mic stand and um and ran it across the row of front lights that shines up onto the performers yeah. from the floor and and just took out all the lights wow. with this thing and in kind of a uh, a fit of. I don't know. I don't Johnny know if he was just being cool, yeah, yeah, rebellious or whatever. And they literally like almost dragged him off the stage. Like he, they escorted him from the stage. I heard different reasons on why he wore black. I heard he did it for the poor and hungry. Did you hear that? Yeah, he. Um, and this is this is according to him. Uh, let me check out my notes here. Um, basically, he okay. So originally, he and some guys started wearing black because it was easier to keep clean, uh, and they all had black shirts. Okay, right, mm-hmm. um, but. It became a th- it became a thing for him. Um, he he took on the imagery of an all black dressed performer as a tribute. He said to the downtrodden, uh, and it was a stark contrast also to kind of the the rhinestone cowboy look of the day. You know, in mm-hmm. country music, yeah. right in late sixties, early seventies, mm-hmm. it was you know big, bright, uh, whatever. Uh, in nineteen seventy one, he wrote a song as a manifesto um, called "The Man in Black," including uh, lyrical explanations for his, you know, kind of dress of choice to represent the poor um, prisoners who had been, um, you know, kept in prison long after they had served, mm-hmm. you know, what should have been a reasonable sentence. Yeah, um, people denied full lives because of addiction and stuff like that, and even sort of lost and ruined lives of the Vietnam War. You know what I mean? Which was which was um, that that era? A lot of protests. Um, and he had, he had a lot to say about uh, – he had a long history of writing songs about the plight of Native Americans, uh, big on his, on his heart. Uh, he even had a full album called Bitter Tears. His record company uh, didn't like it and pushed him to hold it back uh, because, like we said earlier, we were still in the Western <clears throat> – Era, yeah. right? And so a lot of the Western songs of the day were staunchly about, you know, like white cowboys being yeah. awesome. Cowboys and Indians are not, uh, yeah. Everybody that's played Cowboys and Indians as a child, right? No, they're not best of friends. Yeah. And, uh, unless and, you're watching the Davy Crockett movie and then it happens. Yeah. Um, and so he was denied press coverage and media help with these songs. Uh, and he even got told at one point by the head of the Country Music Association, uh, you and your crowd are just too intelligent to associate with plain country folks, country artists, and country DJs. Mm. Um, and so. So Johnny Cash, being who he was, published an open letter uh, as an ad, a full-page ad in Billboard magazine, shaming the music industry for wow. cowardice. Wow. And basically said, what's happened to you? You know what I mean? Uh, where, you know, uh, where is your... Um, he, I uh, don't know that I can say the word he probably used, but, you know, he, uh, where are your guts? You right? Go. Okay. And, um, and then eventually won some of that press coverage and, and media release. But the song, like, the song uh, uh, Drunken Ira Hayes, I think it's uh-huh. called The Ballad of Ira Hayes, actually. Yeah. Call him Drunken Ira Hayes, he won't answer anymore. Anyway, it's, a, it's, about, um, it's about a Native American guy who 
basically um, gets his life ruined by alcohol, but was literally one of the guys in Iwo Jima. You know, the famous image of the soldiers hoisting yeah. the flag. Mm-hmm. One of those was Ira Hayes. Okay. And, and when he came back, mm-hmm. his life is ravaged by alcohol addiction and all this stuff. And it's like, what it's, about- like Ra- it's like Rambo. Yeah, exactly. John Rambo. Yeah. And so he's like, what about this guy? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What are we going to do about this hero that yeah. we put up on these, that we put up in these memorials? You know what I mean? But we just let die in a gutter. Yeah. You know good. what I mean? Uh, really close with Billy Graham and all the presidents in his lifetime. Probably the closest to Jimmy Carter because he was a distant relative of Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Which is How about pretty... that? Actually, I think June, June was a distant relative. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but... through by marriage, however you who, phrase it. I mean, I feel like if I was president, I would invite Johnny Cash. Absolutely. Over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just because I want to be on his good side. Who wouldn't want to be? <laughs> right. Yeah, no kidding. Who wouldn't want to be tight with Johnny Buddy, Cash? Johnny Cash? I know, right? I think that's cool. Uh, also in the Highwaymen, man, yeah. this group. Let's talk, let's... About, let's talk about a super group. Yeah. Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson. Come on. Let's, let's, let's talk about a super group. Uh, we've. I don't know if we've used the term supergroup before. We Surely probably have we at have. some point. But a supergroup is Flash, what happens we talk about it when several people who are well known and well respected individually, mm-hmm. right, kind of get together. We all know what a supergroup is, and they form something. And it's usually like a side project or you know something like that. Um, but there have been some very famous ones. Can you think of any off the top of your head? I wrote down a few. Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver is a great one. Mm-hmm. Velvet Revolver combined slash. Uh, from Guns N' Roses, uh, uh, Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. I think somebody else from Guns N' Roses. I have two members of Guns N' Roses. Jeff, uh, Duff McKagan, McKagan on bass. Yeah. Um, I, you, you think about another sort of in this genre would be maybe the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom had, Petty, Bob Dylan, Roy, Roy Orbison, Orbison yeah. George Harrison. Yeah. The traveling over. I think that's it. That I think it was just the four okay. of them. Yeah, that's uh, as far as like name recognition. Those. Oh might no be no the top no! Ones. We left one. Uh, a uh, Wilbury? Yes, absolutely. ELO guy, Jeff Lynn. Oh, Jeff. Okay. Oh, that's right. You're totally right. We've talked about that in a in a previous episode. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, he actually played guitar. Tom Petty played bass. There you go. Okay. I learned that this week. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, you had like Temple of the Dog, which was uh, oh, yeah, that's good. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden I forgot about combined. That. Um, one of my favorites, Chickenfoot. Oh, right? there we, we go. We love Chickenfoot. So Chickenfoot is Joe Cetrioni. Joe Cetrioni on guitar. Sammy Hagar. Uh, and Michael, Michael Anthony, Anthony from, Van Halen. from Van Halen, uh, and uh, and originally Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili now Peppers. Now Kenny Arnoff. Now Kenny Arnoff, yeah. So, uh, you know, who's famous session drummer and, and Absolutely. that kind of thing. Uh, and then Sammy Hagar's kind of done that a couple couple times now. Now he's got the circle uh, with, with Jason Bonham on drums, and, you know, it's a whole other. But um, you had the uh, newer one is the Hollywood Vampires okay. uh, with uh, Alice Cooper and um, uh, Johnny Depp. And then sort of a rotating cast, I think, around them. Um, what was the one that the guy from Rage did? Audio Slave. Audio Slave, right? yeah. 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 No. So that was Rage Against the Machine minus Zach De La Roca mm-hmm. plus Chris Cornell, Cornell from Soundgarden, yeah. which, kaboom! Yeah, Audio Slave, that's what I Amazing. Saying. Love me some Audio Slave. Uh, how about Blind Faith? There we go, Clapton-like. Yeah. Clapton, Steve, Steve Winwood. Yeah. Man, that's and And um, uh, Ginger Baker, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so... Not bad there. Anyway, Mr. Big, the list goes on, right? There's just, you know, super groups are cool. Sometimes they work. Bad English? Bad English. Oh, yes. Neil Sean. Yeah. There you go, guys. How about that? Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. Let's go more on Johnny. Johnny was a published novelist. Did you know this? In 1986, he published a novel about the Apostle Paul called 
the man in white. Oh, tasty. Yeah. And it was about uh it was about Paul's I think it followed the apostle Paul on like a 6-year kind of period of his life, you know what I mean, sortly sort sort of fictionalized, you know what I mean, what ifs, you know. Um and uh so yeah. Um there's also I let me see. I'm I'm going to try and pull this up. There's also uh a full recording of the New Testament. By read Johnny by Cash. Johnny Cash. Read by Johnny Cash. If you've never heard the Bible read by Johnny Cash, um, you're going to want to after this. Hang Who on. have you heard the Bible read by while you're looking that up? Like famous readers. Mostly me. Okay. Uh, I don't you, know about has full- James Earl Jones ever read the Bible? Sure. Surely to goodness. There are a he's couple of like um, dramatized. Charlton Heston, you know I'm I mean? sure, has Charlton done Heston. it. I actually believe there's a version in which, now he doesn't read the whole thing, it's it's a casted kind of thing, but I believe there's a version in which Samuel L. Jackson participates. The Gospel oh, According yeah. to John, Chapter 1. Gotta pick John. Come on. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, the Word, Word was God. God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made, made through by. him, and, and without that, him, I guess he's going NIV. was made. In him, in was, him light. was light. I think it's actually the, the, light, light, the light of maybe? men. Yeah. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend. I like the way he says darkness. 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 Uh, I feel like if you're, I feel like if you're over sixty, you should just get that in the mail. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's like, awesome. It comes with your Reader's Digest. Yeah. It's like here's your Reader's Digest. Your here's free your... sample of National Geographic. <laughs> That's right. Your AARP packet yeah, yeah, includes packet. all this. Old Farmer's Almanac yeah. and Johnny Cash reads the New Testament. Yeah, That's absolutely. So oh, like, no, it's just like Johnny Cash reads the book of John. But if you send in, you know, yeah. your nine ninety nine a month, That's you it. can have him get the whole. Absolutely. You get right. Matthew. Yes. And then if you each month you could get. That's right. I mean, it it's gets like to, the time life book. It gets to third John. You're like, nah. <laughs> I'm good. I don't. Th- I'm not sure. I want to hear Johnny Cash read Revelation. Yeah, no. Actually, no. I, yeah, I do. I do yeah, want to hear Johnny Cash read Revelation. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a what's the song from the? This actually translates perfectly into the next thing because one of my favorite periods of his career is the American recordings okay. with Rick Rubin. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were relatively and sometimes very raw recordings of mostly contemporary mm-hmm. songs. Uh, he did like Hurt, Hurt by Nine, Nine Inch Nails, Nails yep. Hung My Head uh, by Sting. Personal uh, Jesus Depre- by Depeche Mode. Yeah, Depeche Mode. Um, uh, some older stuff, but um, and some of that stuff was just fantastic. It would it was very his vocals in almost all of it were very upfront, like very in your face, mm-hmm. and just you heard all the age in his voice, all the cracks, and it was, <clears throat> you know, some of it was just not super pretty, mm-hmm. um, but man, was it gritty, and man, did it feel, you know, just it had a lot of. It it pulled a lot of emotion out of you. It's not he was not being very emotional in most of it. You know, he just kind of delivered it mm-hmm. and but it made you go, God, this is a legend yeah. at the end. Yeah. It's you know? dark. Like it's dark. He's down. Yeah. yeah and one of the really cool recordings from that, he actually quotes from the book of Revelation. Uh I believe it's at the end of it. Uh let me find it. It's called The Man When the Man Comes Around which was the title of one of the... Uh... While you're looking for that, and we're talking about covers that he did, one of my favorite covers of somebody doing a Johnny Cash song is Dave Matthews doing Long Black Veil on Listener Supported. Oh, that's, that's solid. That's really yeah. good. So. Yeah, this is uh, The Man Comes Around from American 4, which was subtitled The Man Comes Around. And I heard, as it were, oh, man, yeah. the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see, and I saw. And behold, a white horse. Listen to how up front he is. 
There's a man going round taking names. Put me where in the mix? And he decides who to free and who to blame. I'm just going to let this play through to the end of the course. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. When the man comes around. Anyway, so cool. The hair. Uh, and then he, he quotes another passage at the end, uh, the thing about, you know, um, and hell followed with them, you know, the last horse was death and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so, yeah, very cool. You definitely want to hear Johnny Cash read the Bible. Go check it out. It's actually on YouTube for free. If you go to Johnny Cash's YouTube channel, I, it's got, I don't know if the whole thing is free, but they had like John chapter by chapter, which is really cool. Um, covers, you want to do that or do you want to do save covers for the end and do the... Nope, that's it. Let's do, let's, I'm ready for some notes, notes and covers. Let's do it. Perfect. Uh, covers, Eric Burden and the Animals. It's a pretty good Yeah, one. that was a pretty popular like, one, it yeah. turned out. Was, uh, Wall of Voodoo did one. Dwight Yoakam did one. Obviously, Dwight Yoakam did one. Obviously. Social Distortion. Olivia Newton-John did one. That's pretty good. That's weird. Um, we gotta listen to the Dragon Force one. Yeah, absolutely. We're due for a... Ready? Let's, let's do it. Let's just jump right in. <laughs> this is Ring of Fire by Dragon. If you don't know Dragon Force, they're the ones that did the impossible song at the end of Guitar Hero. Yeah. What was that called? Um, I can't remember. The, the title escapes me at the moment. This is like power metal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's, so here's Ring of Fire by Dragon Force. Dragon Force. Dragon Force. For, out there with the force of dragons. That's right. <laughs> uh, a few notes. Um, the low note in this song uh, is interesting to me. Johnny Cash has a, you know, kind of a low baritone, bassy voice. And uh, so I started, I just wanted to know what this low note was when he goes, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the, the ring, ring of, of, of is the low of note, is the low right? One? Yeah, okay. the ring of, because it goes one half step below, below, the, the, below the root note, right? That's an F sharp two, which yeah. means if you look at a piano keyboard, it is the second lowest F sharp wow. on an 88 key piano, yeah, okay? Uh, to put that in perspective, the low note in Barry White's Can't Get Enough, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Baby. The low note in that song, Barry White famously with a low voice, uh, is an F3, which means... So it's a whole octave. It's an almost a full octave below wow. Barry White's lowest note on Can't Get Enough of Your Love. Wow. To put, to, to, just to put that so in wow, perspective. One note off. Yeah. That's crazy. <clears throat> so um, that's... That's low. It's low. And it's not the lowest note he sings. Uh, it, immediately, I think of... I walk the line. I think he goes down to a... C2, which is a, like a, a, a tritone below this F sharp 2. Goodness gracious. I mean, that's low. That's yeah. low. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, this, this is interesting. From uh, This is from Wikipedia. Um, in June 1965, Johnny Cash's camper caught fire during a fishing trip with his nephew uh, in Los Padres National Forest in California, triggering a forest fire that burned several hundred acres oh and nearly caused his death. Uh, I don't know if his is referring to him or his nephew, or nephew. in that sentence. Um, 
Cash claimed that the fire was caused by sparks from a defective exhaust system on his camper, uh, but his nephew thinks that Cash started a fire to stay warm and in his drugged condition failed to notice <laughs> the fire getting out of control. <laughs> when the judge asked Johnny Cash why he did it, Cash said, I didn't do it. My truck did, and it's dead, so you can't question it. That's good. That's Come on. That's classic. Johnny Cash. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, man, that's that's about all I've got. You got anything else on good Johnny? We need start. to start. Man, it's good to be back, guys. We're so glad to be back. Good. Thanks for hanging with us, everyone. Thank you out there in uh, countries around the world that we've yeah. never been to. We uh, found out this week we're number one in Papua New Guinea. Come on. I'm pretty excited about that. To shout out to you guys out there Shouts in Papua out New to Guinea. All you. Thanks we're for number, the support. We're number six in Papua New Guinea of all podcasts. Yeah. Not just music, not just our category, all the podcasts. That's, so. Uh, and that's not us tooting our horn. That's us saying thank you for the support. Thank you out for there. tooting our horn. That's right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. It's nice, man. To, nice to be popular in other parts of the of the of this globe. Yeah, season five. Let's go. Season five. Let's do it. We'll, if, we'll be back next week with something phenomenal. Listen, hit hit up our hit up our, uh, our our groups online. We have a lot of fun over at facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or you can just search for great songs and the great people who love them greatly hit us up on twitter at great song pod instagram at great song pod or hit us up online at the website at great song podcast.com we've got uh shirts and some merch over there that you can that you can do but join us on the facebook group we're yeah. posting almost daily in the facebook group we have a great community going on we give away prizes every now and then so and we just, know y'all that love math this is number 99 that's right so you know what next week is boom it's one more than 99 that's which right. is 100 that's a landmark episode and let me just tell you guys we got to do something really really special for the 100th episode we had our fingers crossed that we were going to be able to pull something off um and it just kind of fell into our lap a magical situation so please listen let's go ahead and tell nah no nah all right we'll tease it okay all right just uh come come hang out with us next week you guys will be you'll have fun we had fun it's gonna be great it's gonna be amazing so thank you guys for sticking with us for 99 episodes uh we got 99 problems but listenership is not one (laughs) Uh. (laughs) there we go we'll see you next week with another episode (laughs) of the great song podcast until then i'm rob i'm jp go listen to some music